Well, that's perfect for this podcast. <laughs> I got my notes here. I worked on these for two weeks. Oh, I'm sorry you wasted all that time. <laughs> <laughs> if you Seems believe, like a lot. If you believe that story. All right, let's do the opening here. That was the opening music to Invaders from Mars, and this is a double feature with also the Bamboo Saucer, and it's a special episode because Haley's joining us again. Hi. And Welcome back, Haley. Thank you. And Bob is actually, we're all in the same room together. This is a first. That alone is dangerous. <laughs> but here we are. Yeah. Did we do our intro and where people can find us? Not yet. Sorry. <laughs> So, yeah, you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at www.classicmoviereviews.net, or in iTunes, just search for Classic Movie Reviews, or in Facebook, you can find us by searching for classicmoviereviews.net, and the dogs will also be joining us today, I think. These movies are so exciting, it's hard to know where to begin. The heavens, once an object of superstition, awe, and fear. Now a vast region for growing knowledge. The distance of Venus, the atmosphere of Mars, the size of Jupiter, and the speed of Mercury. All this and more we know. But their greatest mystery, the heavens have kept a secret. What sort of life, if any, inhabits these other planets? Human life like ours, or life extremely lower in the scale, or dangerously higher? Seeking the answer to this timeless question, Forever seeking is the constant preoccupation of scientists everywhere. Scientists famous and unknown. Scientists in great universities and in modest homes. Scientists of all ages. So a little bit of background on Invaders from Mars. The director was William Cameron Menzies, and he did a lot of... uh, he did all the production and artwork for Gone with the Wind. Oh, wow. Remember the big scenes where the Atlantis burned to the ground? Mm-hmm. That was all his oh, setup. Wow. So he did a lot of that. He didn't do many movies. And judging by this one, I can kind of understand. Although he did Duel in the Sun, which is a good one from, I think, 1948. Uh, Arthur Franz, our hero, this doctor that's in it, that's running around in a suit. Yeah. He made uh, hundreds of movies. He was in the Kane Mutiny, which is really a good one. And uh, Barbara Billingsley, remember his secretary? Oh, yeah. She was, uh, what was her name? I forget her name. In Kelson's secretary. She was the woman on Airplane, the 1980 movie, that knew how to talk jive. Oh, that's right. Remember the, the African-American guys were talking, and no one could translate what they were saying except Barbara Billingsley. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get you something? Some more for buttering into the bone, jacking me up, tight me. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Cuddy say can't hang. Oh, stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. He said that he's in great pain and he wants to know if you can help him. 
All right. Would you tell him to just relax and I'll be back as soon as I can with some medicine? Just hang loose, blood. She's gonna catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama raised no dummies. I duck her rap. Cut me some slack, Jack. Get say, Jack, cut me some slack. Chomp don't want to help. Chomp don't get the help. Jive ass dude don't got no brains in here. That's right. And she was also on, she was the mother on Leave It to Beaver. That's right. That's where she's from. She was Cleaver Beaver's mother. There's a joke in there somewhere, but I won't <laughs> touch that. Yeah, we'll just leave that there. This movie came out in April of 1953, and I saw it in July 1953. Yeah, at the Judah Theater. At the right? Judah Theater in Lowestown, yeah. Was it a full house of... I'm sure it was. 11 and 12-year-olds pumped up on candy. <laughs> oh, scary. But anyway. Mars is trying to invade Earth. The aliens are interesting characters in what looks like paint suits spray painted green with fuzzy green men- mittens in <laughs> their eyes i like their eyes they look like egg cups or something plus they all looked out of shape i mean they're really <laughs> big but they sh- kind of looked like just out of shape yeah out of shape. the way they ran it oh was with their with their Arms claw straight. hands yeah and how about their leader in the little glass okay well i gotta say the leader was pretty cool so I had, Definitely had a, a funny joke about a head that. in a in a glass bowl, bowl. I've decided to be nice. I I agree with you. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was going to make some snarky remark. Well, the special effects aren't really that good. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. For example, the red melting stuff on the screen when they have their machine. Oh yeah, them, yeah. That's actually uh, boiling oatmeal that's been dyed red. And then photograph from above, so it looks all red and, oh, wow. and bubbly. That's a lot of oatmeal. Yeah. Yeah. That, the, uh, that scene got reused, I think, three times in the movie. Yeah. Oh, another scene that got reused is when they blew a, they blew a hole to try to get into the cave. They set that dynamite. And they, yes. They did it once, and then they went, they went to a totally different location, and then cut to the setting the dynamite again, and it was back to the same spot. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say though, it's I think it's the first science fiction movie that was made in the U.S. in Technicolor. I think it was a real early. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was colorized. I think I sent you a text like. Yeah, no, it was it was really done with a kind of a low cost. I think it was called Cinescope, or it was color from the beginning. Oh, that's cool. I don't have that in my notes. What do you think of the the lead alien? The lead alien. She was interesting, being carried around in a ball the way they. <laughs> Saw her or presented her at the very begin- beginning. Oh, you thought it was a her too. Her. Well, I thought, I thought it, it was. I a, thought it was a her. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was an actual woman with like her face, right? Yeah. And then um, those octopus arms. arms. I think it was a little person. I was reading about that. Right. Interesting. Now I'm curious. Okay, I'm gonna look it up. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah, it was a woman. Lots. Okay. Well, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, Louis Potter. A- she was born in Mexico. Was that her only film? She was in the gate, the Great Gildersleeve. Oh, the radio yeah. programs. Does it say who she played in the Great Gildersleeve? Mm, no, huh? No, okay. Well, this is a pretty straightforward story. Um, uh, our little boy named David. Who was great. I think this movie would have really sucked without him in it. Yeah, yeah it would have. He was the only person in the movie that I felt like was doing real acting. Everything else was overdramatic. And the poor kid, like, his parents get, like, taken over, and he's running around town trying to get other, these other adults to, like, listen to him, but nobody will. 
see the chief right away. The chief, huh? Must be very important. Please, you don't understand. I gotta see him. <laughs> now, settle down, son. What's the trouble? You can tell me. No, I gotta see the chief. But that's what I'm here for. Anybody who wants to see the chief has to tell me why first. I can't. There's no time. Besides, oh, please, let me see him. Besides what? It's, it's you wouldn't believe me and... Well, what makes you think the chief will? What's the trouble, Mac? Well, you got me. The kid here's got something so important that he can't tell anybody but you. On account of, I wouldn't believe him. Are you the chief? That's me. What can I do for you? I want to talk to you alone. In here. What's on your mind? Well, sir, it's kind of hard to explain, but... Start at the beginning. What's your name? David McLean, sir. Are you George McLean's boy? Yes, sir. But I don't want my father to know about it. Then they come in here. Just a minute. Let me go. Let me out of here. They got him. I saw it. He'll kill him if I tell. Put him in the detention room. I'll have his old man come and get him. What's biting him? He's out of his mind, that's what. Come on, son, settle down. Take it easy. It's on his neck, too. Please don't let my father get me. Please don't let him send for my father. They'll drive me down like they think Kathy. I know they will. He's He holds the story together. Yeah. Um, and he, he wakes up and he sees this happening. He thinks it's happening for real. The spaceship coming down and going underground. Yeah. And then his dad, who's a scientist, Leif Erikson, I think he's a scientist also, goes out to explore that and gets... Oh, yeah, because they're all in this town where they're working on a super secret yeah. uh, rocket project. Yeah. Which is what the Martians are after. Yeah. So a lot of people get captured. I told Haley before we did the, uh, the podcast tonight that little David is now 78 years old, lives in Los Angeles, and is in real estate development. Oh, really? He, he got out of the film business oh, okay. early in his career. Interesting. So one after one... So I got to move a little closer to the microphone. One one after one, people get captured, and then the little implant goes in their brain. Oh, oh yeah, that was cool. How much more and obvious could the yeah. <laughs> be to uh, just an X on the back of? Oh, in, the, in, in case you, we yeah, case just in, yeah here. Oh, Matt's got one. Oh, no. <laughs> well, then his dad was so mean to him after he got taken over. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was hard to watch he him. Was like, possessed. He, like, hit him and stuff. And the movie reminds yeah. me of one that came out in 1956, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, totally. Have you seen that black and white yeah, version? Yeah, the original one. That's yeah. a really well done, scary. Way, way better than yeah, this movie. about how people are converted into uh, aliens, but they remain in their form. So they look like they're real people, but they're possessed. And it's spreading. Well, all over the world. Well, in that movie, they're not even the same body, right? It's like a duplicate. It's a du- body. Yeah, it's a it's a. Uh, Whereas clone. here, they could like cure them if they took out that implant, or unless unless it exploded in their brain, in which case they would die. Yeah, that would be hard to repair. Yeah, I think. So um, there were two endings to this film. Do you want to do a little plot or or? Uh, or well, that was kind of the plot. Yeah. That wasn't the plot. There's, there's there are, really not a... I mean, basically, there's a lot of time spent running around in the tunnels, which... Yeah. Yeah. We decided the movie could probably be at least 15 minutes shorter. Yeah. I actually think they it was a double feature, and they probably wanted to 
make each of those double features about an hour and a half long. And I think they added a lot of stuff there in post-production, like the tunnels that kept getting blown up. I think a lot of that was added just to make it longer. Yeah, because so, it's only 83 minutes long, yeah. so it's not like it's a super long movie anyway. I don't know what the other double feature was that day. Yeah. That's too long ago. This and is was, definitely uh, like a B movie, though. B, yeah, it is. Probably the second of the features. <laughs> they had two endings because uh, the U.S. ending was scary, and the uh, English didn't like that ending, so they reshot the movie about six months or a year after this one, the original, and changed the ending to be more... Spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah, here's the spoiler. This is the part that scared me when I was 11 years like, old. The ending that we watched was way better, and I, it made the oh, movie, yeah. like, actually, it actually made me think about it for, like, a couple of days afterwards, because I was like, wow, that alien was super powerful and was able to control time and basically, like, rewound everything until yeah. he could try again, or she could try again. <laughs> that was like, I was but, like, whoa. And, he, and David comes home, he thinks everything is okay. I mean, he's asleep, he wakes up, he thinks everything is okay. He goes into mom and dad. And they're okay. Yeah. They send him back to bed. Then he wakes up, and the thing starts again. And it's like right from the beginning of the movie it's again. It's like Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> Only in a scary way. So. Happy Death Day. That was a movie that we just watched, which is kind of like Groundhog Day, where uh, she keeps dying and waking up until she can oh, yeah. solve the murder. That's actually well, I haven't good. seen that. Yeah. Who's in that? It's like a bunch of unknown people, but it was it was well done. Death? Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day? Yeah, sounds you upbeat. Should, no, it was it was a kind of like a horror comedy. It was it's pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So this the U.S. ending is a lot, lot better. It does yeah. make the movie better because I watched the other version this time. I feel like you could edit the you could edit that movie down and and maybe have it be more like a TV episode, and I think it could be actually pretty good. Yeah, you know, like if it was like one of those like Netflix like. Uh, series where they have like every episode is like a different story. I think that could. I, I think you could make it good just by editing out a lot of the repetitive stuff. Maybe I'm update the tunnels, yeah. but not really going anywhere. Yeah, I'm trying to shoot the alien and he got he fell down and then got right got, back got, up got. and then I'm pretty sure right after that they reused the exact same scene <laughs> they just showed <laughs> to show that the alien got back up. It was yeah. really a tight budget. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but we can't, we can't, we can't end our review uh, such as it is without talking about the the way that they did the bubbles on the wall. Oh <laughs> yes, uh, that was a that was a really forefront of of uh, special effects. They first of all tried balloons to put on the wall, yeah. and to see if that would work. But they didn't. They looked like balloons, so they came up with the idea, and it worked. I think they uh, put three thousand condoms <laughs> up on the. Up on the wall of the tunnel, <laughs> inflated condoms. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. that would not work. But there's there's so much to think about there. Like, yeah. who placed the order for the three thousand condoms? Like, I'd like to place a bulk order, please. Well, how and then, like who blew the, them up? The, the employee. <laughs> your, your job today. Were is they to, credited in the in the movie? Anymore? I'm looking right now. I, <laughs> hmm. Probably not. Condom I, inflator. Not, oh, here we go. Oh yes. It, in, let's see, they, they used the uh, balloons, but in film tests, the balloons didn't look good. They stuck to the wall, and it wasn't really a good idea. So instead, they tried smaller inflated latex condoms 
Further testing showed these looked much more interesting and convincing, and the crew went wound up uh, inflating more than three thousand, and then sticking. <laughs> oh, it was them a group effort. <laughs> portions of the tunnel, yeah, it was a group effort. Okay, somebody else take over. Oh I God. bet that's something they never learned in film school. Oh my God, this no. is the best. Okay, fifteen people sitting around in a in a room. Okay, each of you have <laughs> 200 condoms, and we've got one hour to do this, so blow them up. <laughs> and when you look at the film, I looked at the ending today with Ailey, you can tell that that's what they are. Well, once you know. Yeah, yeah I'll tell you. Once you know. I so didn't know until after I watched it, and I looked it up, and I, I couldn't stop laughing. And I have to admit, as an 11-year-old, I had no clue. I bet you, what do you think of it? Do you remember as an 11-year-old? I, I was scared by that ending. Yeah. Because I thought, this kid's going to go back through this whole thing again. I thought it was real. Yeah. Both times that they yeah, come yeah, back, yeah, like yeah, you said. Totally. It freaked me out. But it wasn't as scary was as Was it kind of like at the bottom, at the end of the thing when they said, watch the stars, watch the sky? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. I bring you a warning. Every one of you listening to my voice, tell the world, tell this to everybody wherever they are. Watch the skies everywhere. Keep looking. Keep watching the sky. And you were like walking home going, should I, should I be like watching for aliens? Well, just think of it. You know, I'm, I'm 11 years old. I've been in the theater from noon and, or maybe 1 o'clock until 5. I've seen a newsreel, two or three cartoons, two movies, uh, a serial, and about four previews. And I've had like nothing but sugar, coke, suckers, and candy bars. You know, no real food. Oh and then gosh. I see that ending. That was probably the second movie. God, I, I probably didn't sleep that night. <laughs> My folks probably really like seeing me come home. Yeah. So who wants to go first with our rating of this film? Uh, Haley, you want to go first? On a scale of 1 to 10. Probably give it a 6 because I thought it was pretty good, but it should have been shorter. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I'm gonna. I started off thinking it was probably a three or four, but I'm gonna go with a five because of that ending. Yeah, ending. Is the ending deep. definitely bumped it's it redeemable. up. Redeemable. Yeah, the it's, ending it's makes it good. Well, I'm gonna be the low ball. I'm gonna go with a four. So okay. we got four, five, and six. Cool. Even with that ending, well, if you watch the British ending, you know, you'd probably lower your score by another point or two. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think. So anyway, so speaking of lower, lowering our scores. Um, we should talk about the Bamboo Saucer. Oh, our second feature. Oh. <laughs> yes. Where in the hell did it go? So this came up because of uh, your trip to Lone Pine, right? Yeah, we... The six of us went up to Lone Pine and spent a week looking at all these movie sites. And there's a wonderful museum there. Nancy was afraid I was going to just stay and work in the museum or become a part of it at my age. I could just mm -hmm. be going. <laughs> but uh, it was a fascinating trip. And we saw all these places in the Alabama hills and the Sierra Nevadas where they've made hundreds and hundreds of film. And this one showed up on this list, the Bamboo Saucer. Yeah. And I thought, Dan Duryea, one of my favorite actors, he made wonderful movies earlier in his career. This was his last movie movie before he died. 
Uh, he made Winchester 73 and a whole host of westerns and mysteries. Really, really good actor. So I go to my actor friend every Friday and I said, John, have you seen The Bamboo Saucer with Dan Duryea? And he looks at me like, what? <laughs> He's got 20,000 DVDs in his condo. Wow. All categorized and cataloged. He had not ever heard of it. And he worked with Dan Duryea on television shows. Wow. He said, you're kidding. Really? So he had his friend look it up because he can't use a computer anymore. And sure enough, he bought it. So now when I go back, he wants to watch it with me. So I get to see it again. <laughs> so that's how that came about. And I talked to Dad and said, let's do the bamboo saucer. It's actually, the story isn't bad. The special effects, I thought, were kind of low budget. But I don't know. I thought the social and political context and oh. like influences in the movie were kind of hard to like get past like some of the things that they were saying it was just pretty cringy for me to watch yeah and i thought it was pretty boring what was what was some cringeworthy where lines? they were talking at the beginning how they needed to go get the technology or they wanted to put technology in space so that they could just blow up any country that messed with them <laughs> yeah just... that's pretty, pretty bad <laughs> in a certain way it's sometimes relevant to today yeah yeah going down that road yeah wow you, you were know, talking about another one, though, too. Yeah, and then the other one where they wanted to get the saucer because they didn't want the Chinese to have the technology, but then as soon as the Russians, they saw the Russians, then they were all teaming up together, you know. Yeah. So white people, you know, were fine to have the technology, but not the, not the, not the, not the, not the Asian, yeah. not the Chinese, not the non-white people. Yeah. Yeah. We've, um, we bump up against that a lot when, in looking at older movies. Yeah. Um, the Good Earth was one that was recommended that we look at with Paul Muni, a wonderful, wonderful actor, born in the Ukraine or, or middle in the middle part of Europe, playing a Chinese peasant. Yeah. Or, I mean, that goes on and on. And I was saying to Matt, you know, hopefully we move beyond that. And in a lot of ways we have, but in a lot of ways we haven't because some of the new movies, and we were talking about that, come out and... It's still got that undertone of the Northern European yeah, like folks the, are going to yeah, somehow save us. Yeah, we talked about Ghost in the Shell and how they totally whitewashed that movie. Which movie? Ghost in the oh Shell. Oh my gosh, yeah. We watched that the other day. It was That movie was painful to watch. It was incredibly boring. It was so whitewashed. Like, they were in Japan, weren't they? Like, and there it were all these like white Jap- people. Yeah, yeah, like it looked like a Japanese, like... Somewhere in Asia. Somewhere in Asia, yeah. Like, yeah. the styles were, yeah, somewhere in Asia at least, and... All the people were white. Yeah. And I, I haven't watched it, but The Great Wall came in for a lot of criticism. Matt we, Damon. Matt yeah, Damon, Damon movie. Yeah. But, you know, it goes all the way back. We, we haven't reviewed a lot that are quite that way. And we've had some really good ones like Gentleman's Agreement. Yeah. About uh, uh, anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism and so forth. Or the one that we just reviewed where they were chained together. Oh, the Defiant the, Ones. The Defiant Ones, yeah. That was good. Sidney Poitier and, uh, and uh, Tony Curtis. But this... That's an under, it's an undercurrent, and you, know, you look at it in this perspective of 2018 and what they were doing in 1968, and you wonder. Well, this was right in the, the heart of the Cold War. I mean, it was yeah. like really raging, and so like the comment about the blowing them up, and, you know, we were like building nuclear missiles as fast as, as we fast. could, yeah. and then the Chinese apparently were more of a threat to us than the Russians, I guess, even though they're both communist countries and... Okay. I think it's based on the race. I think it's based. I think it's just racist. Yeah. 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 And there's a lot of that. that 
We could we could we could do a whole year on movies like that, you know, the whole podcast. Anyway, some of the background on this it it, it was Dan Durier, who had a wonderful career. I think he did this just to collect the paycheck, make a little bit of extra money. Yeah, because yeah. he was he was sick at that time. And if you ever get a chance to look him up and pick a movie or two that he's done, they're really well done. And John Erickson was in um, Bad Day at Black Rock. That's another movie. That's the other side. Where the Spencer Tracy comes back and finds out what these people did to the Japanese farmer, yeah, and then he sets that right, yeah. So every once in a while they pop up in more of a of a social justice thing, but it was it wasn't often. Well, one thing that I did like about the movie, even though it wasn't super strong, but the female character, the the scientist, was pretty central to the movie. Mm-hmm. And she actually uh, had a part that was beyond just like serving coffee or something like that. Yeah. So I did like that part of it, that she was she a strong was the character, central person for the Russian side. Yeah. I feel like. And she was the kind of the voice of reason of trying to like talk the Russian commander down mm-hmm. from doing some crazy stuff. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So then that's another whole area. Like we did uh, the movie where they're miniaturized and they go inside the brain oh. to say that guy. Fantastic, Fantastic Voyage, Voyage. Yeah. and uh, the woman that's in that, Raquel Welch, yeah. yeah, Raquel Welch, was very young. It was made in 1966 or 68. She's just there to look nice, basically. I think the, she had like four lines in the is, movie. So there's this whole other culture of uh, women in film. Yeah, and at one point we did Ida Lupino. We did four of her movies. She was the only living director, only woman living director. In the nineteen late nineteen forties, early nineteen fifties, yeah. there had been one woman director earlier, and she and this Ida Lupino was the only one wow. for a long time. Yeah, that's amazing. so. That's a whole different. We could do another. I think this on conversation that. is really relevant because uh, Haley just graduated today from the School of Public, public Health, Health and yeah. the, mm-hmm. a lot of the speeches were talking about this. Well, all of what public health is is learning the different factors that will cause health outcomes beyond what happens in like your everyday life and beyond like factors that you can control like racism and um you know the environment and stuff like that so environment the house the whole yeah yeah so it's all looking back at you know how all these different things affect people's lives and health so it's pretty makes you think a lot about like it's made me notice a lot more representation and Invisibility too, and it also makes watching movies like this kind of hard to watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, but it's it still continues. Yeah, I mean, look at the movement now with all these men that have been brought to light. Yeah, the movement. You know what I wanted to say before I forgot is having Haley with us is wonderful for me for a lot of reasons. Just being with Haley is wonderful, but we're such a, a world apart in terms of ages. <laughs> yeah, and it's good for me to have her talk about these issues. Because growing up, like I was, I was older when I saw this one, but not much older. You, I didn't know. I mean, I really wasn't aware of that. For us, it was the civil rights movement, African Americans, Hispanics, mm-hmm. the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. all of that. And the women's issue was not as big a topic then, and a lot of the other social justice ones. So anyway, but this movie was, was kind of a one-off deal. He, the guy that put it together... Uh, Jerry Fairbanks wanted to make it. Nobody would. Nobody would really come up with the money, so he 
went around and got enough money to make it, but it was really low budget. Well, the reason, one of the reasons I wanted to review it, though, is because I'd never actually seen a movie with quite this plot where they basically have a UFO encounter and then they find out that the UFO is actually, like, landed in China. Did you say Red China? Yes. The peasant claimed that that sketch is the likeness of a, a thing hidden in the ruined church near his village. How did it get there? Presumably it landed there. The ruin was roofless. Landed? By whom? The bodies of two uh, creatures were found nearby. Human-like and yet different. The peasant's description wasn't too intelligent. But we assume they died because they lacked immunity to Earth's bacteria. But they must have been oxygen breathers, or they wouldn't have ventured from the ship. That's purely conjecture, of course. The remains? The bodies decayed very rapidly, and the peasants cremated what was left. Major Layton, how are you doing with the ordnance and survival gear? Next week, my foot, we fly out tomorrow. Well, try the Marine Corps. They'll give you fast action. And then they go and they, like, go find the saucer and they, like, yeah. try to, like, figure out how to work the saucer. And I was like, yeah. that is such a cool idea for a movie. Yeah. It was awesome that they had a pilot on the team that could figure out how to work the saucer. One of my favorite parts, once they actually did find the saucers, when they got inside of it and they were being crushed... And yes. Then they finally, they look up and they're like, oh, there's the button for the door. And it was just, I was laughing so hard. It was just so. Yeah. Why didn't I There it is. That is so good. And then they take off and they go through millions of miles of space in like four minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. So, so awesome. I had an a idea for a sequel to this. You want me to read you the synopsis? Yes. Yes. Upon returning to Earth, the trio discovers that they've landed 50 years in the future due to time dilation. They try to land in Geneva, but are intercepted by fighter planes and are forced to flee to Captain Hank Peters' hometown in remote northern Minnesota. They land and begin to unravel what happened and how they can use the ship to travel back in time to their own lives again. They uncover more secrets of the ship and apply 2018 technology to uncovering its secrets. They learn where the saucer's homeworld is and decide that it's more important to visit the homeworld and make contact with the aliens. A fourth member of the group, a woman scientist that was visiting the area on vacation, um, she follows them and discovers the saucer. The four of them leave for space again, generate a space fold, and end up on the other side of the galaxy. Upon landing, they find a deserted world, and they discover something that causes them to quickly return to Earth. Folding space, they return as if no time had passed, and now they must warn the planet and evacuate as many people as possible using the technology they brought back from the alien world. Wow. <laughs> Too yeah, many. It's called Bamboo Saucer Homeworld. I think so we now should. we just got to get funding for it. we yeah. got to pitch that to somebody. Yeah. I mean, if it can be the same quality as this one, then... We don't need a lot of money. No. I was thinking we go... We just can go walk around in the woods over there somewhere. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, we could do way better special effects using this laptop right here yeah. we're recording on. Yeah. I was I was going for the big dollar items from a major studio to make it like a... Uh, like a hundred, hundred million, million dollar, dollar budget. Blockbuster, yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. in fact, I even came up so with some like cast. That. I sent you a list of some of the cast members. No, we had the woman scientist. We had a good idea for that. Yeah, it was going to be a uh, Margaret Cho. Yeah, Margaret Cho. Yeah. And we had uh, Jimmy Smith as one of the characters. And then, yeah, we should wrap this up. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that 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 concludes our review. Yeah, we're actually recording this during the graduation uh, party, so we should get back. All to right. That. I'll go first with my rating for this dynamo. I'd give it a four. <laughs> it's a solid, so, I think it's a solid. Solid four, right in there with Invaders from Mars. And it's there because of the special effects. And the, it was, I loved the fact it was filmed in North, in uh, the Alabama Hills and, and Lone Pine. But after that, and Dan Durier was in it. But after that, it's kind of like, hmm. Yeah, I give it a four. It was kind of boring, except for I love the idea of the movie, and then it really got me thinking about a sequel, which was fun. But other than that, it was kind of a kind of a dud. Yeah, for me, it was probably two. I was like spacing out a lot watch when I was watching it. It was just kind of yeah. Or actually, I'd probably give fours. it a three because I did like the story of it, but I did like space out a lot. It's got a lot, a lot of bad totally stuff. paying attention. Yeah, it was it was. Um, yeah. Okay, well, that was uh, Invaders from Mars and Bamboo Saucer. And coming to you, all of us from North Bend, this is Matt. Bob. Haley. Wishing yeah. you happy movie watching. <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> awesome. I think next time we do a double feature, we should also do a newsreel. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And some cartoons. And cartoons. Yeah. Thank you, Haley. Get out of me. In the Swiss Alps. Fred and I were thinking we'd like to try for a landing at Geneva. Both our countries have embassies there, and it can be put on record that we did this together. That is, if it's agreeable to you. Yes, 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 yes. You know, when the world sees this ship, everybody's going to have to realize there are other intelligent beings in the universe. They will have to meet them face to face one day. All the nations of this earth better be ready to stand together. Amen. Friday, we did a lot of work with Dan Durier of, of the Bamboo Saucer, and I stumped him. He didn't. He had never heard of the movie, and after watching it, I can understand why. <laughs> it was filmed in Lone Pine, where we went up and spent a week. The Beautiful Bamboo area, two hundred miles north of Los Angeles, close to where Mom and Dad were when they went to Yosemite. It was kind of interesting in the movie how they were like. We can't let the Chinese get this technology, but then as soon as they met up with the Russians, they were all buddy buddy. Yeah, yeah. It was like literally they white <laughs> white people. Yeah, oh, right, <laughs> right. It's the white. We people. can't let the non-white people get it. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, back in World War II, they were f referring to the Japanese as the Yellow Menace. Yeah. So 